Anyway, my daughter, Steph, loves to connect coffee and taking sermon notes. So after she finishes her coffee, she writes her sermon notes on her coffee cup, takes it home, puts it on the kitchen counter to be reminded of Pastor Dan's sermon throughout the week. And a few things that Dan has shared over the last few weeks have stuck in my mind. Now, they're not written on my coffee cup or sitting on my counter. Uh, they're in my mind, so if you want to see them written down, you'll have to go to Steph's house. Uh, we want to see if you can remember a few points that are springboard for our message today. Mm -hmm. So we're going to have a little quiz. Hopefully, it's not going to stress anyone out here. Two weeks ago, Dan taught us about the most important word in the Bible. Does anyone remember? The gospel. That's right, the gospel. And the gospel was good news. And it was this announcement that some noteworthy event had happened. And Jesus made this announcement in Mark chapter 1, verse 15. He said this. He said, the time God has promised has come near. The kingdom of heaven is near. Repent of your sins. Sorry, it has come at last. It has already come. The kingdom of heaven is near. Repent of your sins and believe the good news. Now, this was a good announcement because before Jesus came, everybody had to keep the rules. They had to keep the law. There was a lot of rules. If you've ever gotten stuck in the book of Leviticus, that's the book with all the stuff all that they the had to keep. So by Jesus saying this, he was saying, it's going to be different from now on. Good. So this good news, the gospel interrupted my life in the best way. My cousin was excited to tell me she became a Christian. She said, I now have a personal relationship with God. I thought, what's that? She invited me to a Christian rock concert. The four things I heard at the concert were new for me. Number one, God loved me. Mm -hmm. He created me to be in a relationship with him. And I thought God was distant and angry and always waiting to point an accusing finger. Second thing I heard was God sent Jesus to die for my sin. Mm -hmm. My sin and my mess-ups had separated me from God, but Jesus paid the penalty in my place. Third, salvation is a free gift. I thought salvation had to be earned or deserved, and I thought it was up to me that I had to be good enough. A fourth, I heard eternal life with Jesus can start now mm -hmm. and last forever. And I thought it started later on. Well, something to think about. Mm -hmm. Sadly, the world enticed me. And instead of choosing Jesus, I accepted everything the world had to offer. In grade 11, my family moved from Nova Scotia in eastern Canada to the Philippines. A man in his 30s gave me lots of attention at the hotel pool. My father cautioned me over and over not to encourage his flirtations. The man invited me to his room, and he raped me. All the giggles over the attention he was giving me turned to shame. I was so afraid, just so brokenhearted. What will people think of me if they know? And shame comes with anxiety about being excluded and fear that people will lose interest in you or withdraw love. I tucked my secret away and hid it well. I began to believe the lies I heard in my head about myself. 
-hmm. a disgrace, unworthy. The voice of the accuser became a very familiar voice. On the outside, I actually looked okay. Nobody could see the brokenness on the inside. A few years later, at age 19, I was single, pregnant, and scared. I chose to have an abortion. More shame, more pain. Fast forward. At age 26, filled with regret about all the poor choices I'd made, but beginning to believe that maybe God could love me, I took a chance. I took a Bible off the shelf that I had never read and flipped it open. I read Psalm 61, verses 1 and 2. Hear my cry, O God. Listen to my prayer. Mm -hmm. From the ends of the earth, I call to you. I call as my heart grows faint. Lead me to the rock that's higher than I. I started to cry. Could God hear my prayer? Would he listen? Was there a remote possibility that he could love me? While sobbing, I flipped over a few pages and read another verse. Psalm 51, verse 10. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. This was the sincere cry of my heart, and I called out to God. He heard and answered. That day, all by myself in my living room, while my two little girls were napping, I said yes to Jesus. My tears of sorrow and pain turned to tears of joy. Amen. God welcomed me home that day. I'm forgiven. I'm loved. I'm chosen. I'm free. <laughs> and because of that good news, Jesus announced over 2,000 years ago, my life is different. Now, Steph was born a few years later. She's number three. And at that time, I was following Jesus. So her growing up years were way different than mine. And if this is all new to you, you might think, oh... You know, I wish I had a different story, but if, if you're the first person in your family to say yes to Jesus, your entire family can be different because of this announcement that Jesus made. So after my mom was saved by Jesus, her business very much became the same business that God had. She started praying for my dad, loving on him, um, just having faith that God was going to be at work. So Jesus saved him finally on February 5th, 1986. I was a few months old, and because of that, because of their decision to receive this good news, to receive what Jesus had offered them, I had the privilege of growing up in a home where my parents loved and followed Jesus. But I still had to make my own decision, and I was a little bit resistant to that. I was a little bit of a stubborn child. Just you could say. a little bit? A little bit. A little bit. But when I was eight, I, I began to sense the Holy Spirit nudging me to give my life to Jesus. And back in that day, um, there was an invitation time at the end of every service, and I would stand, and you could walk the aisle, so I would stand there, and I would put one foot forward, and then, nah, not today, and then the next Sunday, I'd feel that nudge, and I went, no, not today either, because uh, I, I, was, I was eight, but I liked to be in charge. I was a little bossy uh, as a kid, but one day, I asked my mom, I said, mom, if I die and I, I don't go to heaven, can I change my mind? And she said, nope, nope, nope. It's final. And I was like, okay, then let's do this. Let's pray right now. I, I was ready to give my life to Jesus. And I said yes to him. Now, I just want to say that sometimes, you know, we think, oh, I don't have that story. I don't have this radical transformation. But I was no less separated from God 
because of my sin, just because I grew up, right, in a Christian home. I needed Jesus just as much. And because the most important word in the Bible, the gospel, was the most important word in our home, there was a legacy of faith, right, that began to be lived in a certain way of living everyday life that was very meaningful and very purposeful. Yeah, and my husband passed away in 2009, but until his last breath, he could not stop telling people about Jesus because the most important word in the Bible is mm -hmm. the gospel, mm -hmm. and his legacy of faith is still impacting people. So let's go back to our quiz. There's only two questions. Question two. Last week in Pastor Dan's sermon, his third and final point, he encouraged us to shift our focus from the trouble of our everyday lives to what? Anybody remember? My focus is... Eternity. Eternity. Start Pastor Kyle with gets a gold star. That's right. Eternity. He said it's not just about this everyday life. It's not just about uh, the stress and the problems. But the problem is we forget about that. You know, you come here and you sit and you're like, yes, yes, okay, I want to live and I want my focus to be eternity. I want to live for what matters. And then we go home and we got bills to pay. Then we go home and we got to like drop kids off. And we go home and we get kind of wrapped up and we forget. Or we get confused, you know, we start to think this thing over here is really, really important and I, I must do this and I must invest in this and focus on this one thing. And sometimes we get distracted from keeping eternity in mind because we get so wrapped up in everyday life. So how do we focus on eternity? How do we remember what is most important? Because we don't want to just go through the motions. Mm -hmm. We don't want to just show up here and, and just sort of act like what it seems like we're supposed to act like. We want to live purposefully. So... How do we do that? We believe that we do that by understanding that the mission of God is the business of everyone in the family of God. The way to actually move from being, um, you know, sitting there just being a consumer of truth is actually to understand that you are called to be a contributor to the mission of God. Now, I mean that this is our personal concern. You know, when people say it's none of your business, that means it's none of your personal concern. There is nobody who is part of the family of God that this is none of our business. So turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians, if you have one, and if not, it'll be up here on the screen, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. My mom's going to read, starting at verse 1. For my part, brothers and sisters, I was not able to speak to you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as babies in Christ. I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, since you were not yet ready for it. In fact, you're still not ready, because you are still worldly. For since there is envy and strife among you, are you not worldly and behaving like mere humans? For whenever someone says, I belong to Paul, and another, I belong to Paulus, are you not acting like mere humans? Mm -hmm. So Paul's writing here to correct their wrong focus. The family of God, the church of Corinth, was not concerned with the business of God. They were concerned with their own business. And Paul basically says, you're all a bunch of babies. He says babies right there. And in my family, I have four kids, and if one of them calls another one a baby, it's not a compliment. It's like this, in, like, I'm not a baby, like I'm a big kid. But he says that you're acting like babies. Now, what made them babies? Well, one, he says that you're not ready for solid food. You're not ready for truth that takes some time to chew on and to understand. You're not ready to open the word of God and, and see for yourself what it says. The best place for you and I to get to know the mission of God, the best place to know what it means to be part of the family of God, is in the word of God. The other thing that made them babies, they were envious. Right? Rather than thinking about what they were called to, thinking about the mission of God, they were looking to the left and looking to the right. Well, that person has this. This person has that. There was strife. 
There was lots of fighting. We can relate to that now. We're living in a world that's a little bit divided. And he was saying that your allegiance is to man, not God. These were all things that made them childish in their ways. Now, I don't know about you, but in my family, when they're babies, they don't have responsibilities. My babies don't like fold their own laundry. They don't put their dishes in the dishwasher. They just have to be taken care of all the time. Right? And as they start to grow up, then they start to take on part of what it means to be in the family. They start to have responsibilities. They start caring about more than just their own business. So let's keep reading. And I think their own business is probably eating and sleeping. <laughs> Verse 5. What then is Apollos? What is Paul? They are servants through whom you believed, and each has the role God has given. I planted, this is Paul, Apollos watered, but God gave us the growth. So then, neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God gives growth. Mm -hmm. Now, he who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his reward according to his own labor. So we are God's co-workers. Mm -hmm. All of us, we're God's co-workers. You're God's field, God's building. According to God's grace that was given me, I have laid a foundation as a skilled master builder, and another builds. But each one is to be careful how he builds on it. No one can lay any foundation other than what has been laid. The foundation is Jesus Christ. So there's a contrast here. He's saying you're, you're babies, but he's saying we are co-workers. Now, other than boss baby, that's the only baby that I know that is a co-worker. <laughs> but that's not what we're called to. He's saying, I want you to participate with me. My husband, Mike, and Jordan Gilbert, who's a member here at Connect, they work together at ACO. So for years, they would get on the truck, they would drive to the job site, they would, you know, install the meters, they would put in all the pipe, they would hand each other tools, and they worked together. And as they worked together, they developed this relationship and this friendship, and Jordan would ask him questions, and he'd say, what's the difference between Catholic and Protestant, or what's the difference between this and that? Because they were working together. Now, Mike wasn't working for Jordan, and Jordan wasn't working for Mike, but they had this ability to labor side by side. Co-workers. Co-workers. And that's what God is calling us to. He's saying, if you're in the family of God, we got to get you to grow up. you got to eat your food so you can grow up, grow in your faith, and so you can be my co-worker. Because there are people in your life who do not know about this announcement. There are people in your life that do not know that God is for them. There's people in your life who, like my mom shared, thought, think God is angry and distant and ready to point an accusing finger at them. They do not know about this announcement, and God has placed you in their life. In my mom's story, her cousin was God's co-worker. In my own story, my parents were God's co-worker, co-workers. And in Jordan's story, Mike got to be a co-worker with God. We get to work with him, work alongside God, and be part of what he is doing in the lives of other people. And here Paul's saying, too, he's saying, you got to be careful you have to be careful not to build on anything other than Jesus Christ. Yeah, so careful. So what does it look like to carefully build on the foundation of Jesus Christ? We need to understand that we can't add anything to the gospel. Now, it's so interesting what my mom shared and what I definitely thought as a kid was, I know that I've received Jesus, but I also have to go to church. I also got to read my Bible. I got to serve. I got to tell people about Jesus. And if I don't do all those things, I'm not really being a good Christian. Now, that's adding, actually, to the gospel. Those are things that you will do because it's part of who you are. It's part of what it means. But those are not the things that make you a follower of Jesus. Receiving Jesus, having Jesus in you, you being in Christ, that's what makes you part of the family. So we can't add any good works to the gospel. It is a free gift. We also can't subtract anything from the gospel. 
I'll tell you these days a very unpopular word is repentance. Repentance means to turn away from doing things your own way and turn towards God. A very unpopular thing is to let someone else be in charge of your life. Jesus as Lord. But these are things that we cannot add, we cannot subtract, because there is power to set people free in the gospel. The very simplest way I think we can think about this, you know, because you might be thinking, whoa, that's like a lot, Stephanie, to go out there and, you know, start telling people about Jesus. But the simplest way you can start doing that is you can start thinking about loving people well. Paul said that that was the greatest of all of the things. And we can do this Anytime. We can do this anywhere. We can do this at work. We can do this in the church lobby. We can do this at school drop-off. And we can do this at the water cooler at work if you're not working remotely. (laughs) So every day we have to live out what we say we believe. Mm -hmm. If people see our lives, they should see Jesus. Mm -hmm. So I just encourage you, be with people. Build authentic relationships. Mm -hmm. Listen to people. Mm -hmm. Get outside of your comfort zone. And he's using us every day to bring this good news, to bring salvation to the world. And the world, that might seem really big to you. So scale it down to your circle of influence. Mm -hmm. Everyday relationships, where you work, where you live, where you play. People should be more convinced of the love of God because of their interactions with you. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. No, this is so simple. Like, when you see people, do you see them? Do you look them in the eye? We live in a a masked world, right, where it's like everyone just is walking through Costco like this. Look people in the eye. Smile at them. Notice them, right? See, just see them. See them the way God sees them. Ask God, help me to see people the way you see them. Help me to love people the way that you love them. The mission of God is the business of everyone in the family of God, so we need to pay attention. Just like Paul said, he said, you got to be careful that you are building on the right foundation, so we need to pay attention. So let's finish reading our passage here in 1 Corinthians. Uh, If anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, each one's work will become obvious. For the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire. The fire will test the quality of each one's work. Mm -hmm. If anyone's work that he has built survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will experience loss, but he himself will be saved, but only through fire. Mm -hmm. So we need to pay attention because this tells us that the stakes for this life are pretty high. They're pretty high. Yesterday, my son Jonah spent many hours uh, sorting this shoebox of NBA cards. You know, and he put him in by, it was like old school on the left, new school on the right, and he had all the teams, and he spent a lot of time. And then our friends came over, and they have a four-year-old son. Guess what the four-year-old did? He made them all into one big pile. And when my son came back downstairs, I mean, there were just tears. He was like, I spent so much time, and it's ruined, Mom. He ruined everything. And I was thinking about this verse last night. I was thinking, that's an eight-year-old, and those are NBA cards, and that was just two hours. Right? What if we get up there for all of eternity? I mean, if you think the pandemic has lasted a long time, eternity is longer. longer. And we get up there and we think, oh no, everything that I thought was so important, it actually wasn't. Everything that I thought really mattered didn't actually matter as much as I thought it did. You know, that sandcastle I was trying to build in this life, it didn't matter as much as building the kingdom of okay. God. We have to be focused on what matters. And so we really can't waste our lives on things that don't matter. We must be careful. We can spend time just chasing after things that don't matter. 
uh, dead-end pursuits. So what is at stake when you mm -hmm. say the stakes are high? First thing is the souls of people. Those are going to last forever. I mean, forever is a long time, forever and ever and ever. And we don't work our way into the family of God. We simply say, I believe that that's for me, and I'm going to receive it empty and open-handed. The second thing that's at stake is how we spend this life. My mom shared with you about my dad, and he was a mechanic by trade when Jesus saved him, and he felt called to ministries, and he became a pastor, but most of his ministry didn't actually happen on Sunday morning. Mm -hmm. Most of his ministry happened at Tim Hortons, and it happened at the car wash, and it happened just in everyday interactions with people when he just followed the prompting of the Holy Spirit, and God would say, that person, go talk to that person. I'm at work there. Be a part of what I'm doing. Be my coworker. So I want to ask you today, first of all, have you responded to the gospel? Now, I don't mean have you grown up in church. The last two people that I got to share the gospel with had grown up in church, and they had missed it. They said, actually, I've never just received him. I've never said, this is for me. I want to receive what Jesus has done for me. The way that we get into the family is not by reading through the Bible in a year. It's not by doing all the things. It's just by saying, it's a gift, and I'm going to choose to receive it. The second thing I want you to think about is, how am I spending my time? Because the way you spend your time is the way that you spend your life. Either you can have this reward that Paul says is going to last forever, or everything will be burned up in a second, and you'll enter as just one who's received Jesus, but one who's just barely escaping the flames. That's at stake. So I want to ask you this morning, have you? Have you received Jesus? Because when you receive Jesus, you get a lot of things in exchange. You give him your old, sinful, separated nature, and you get to be a new creation. You get the Holy Spirit. Yeah. You get to be in the family of God. And the second thing I want to challenge you to think about is, how am I spending this life? We don't get time back. We do not get time back. We can either spend it or we can invest it. So if you want to respond to the announcement that Jesus made, I'm going to invite my mom to pray, and you can follow her in prayer. And if you're sitting there thinking, yeah, you know what, I've responded, but I haven't really been participating in what God's doing around me, and I want to do that, then I'm going to lead you in a prayer after that. So go ahead. Good. So if you want to say yes to the good news, pray with me. Uh, God, I thank you that you love me, that Jesus died for me. I ask you to forgive me. I turn from my old life, and I turn to follow you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. And if you want to make God's business your business, I invite you to just, just open your hands just in front of you. I'm not trying to be too weird or anything, but just empty-handed and open-handed. Just say, God, I am yours. I want you to use me. I want to live for what matters. So open my eyes to see people the way you see them. Open my heart to love people the way that you love them. And help me to keep in step with your spirit and be your co-worker, not a bunch of, or not, not a bunch, not a baby, because mm -hmm. I want to be part of your mission. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So remember, the mission of God mm -hmm. is the business of everyone in the family of God. Mm -hmm. So pay attention mm -hmm. because the stakes are high. Mm -hmm. Thanks. Thanks.